everywhere we move And everything we talk about be barreled in the truth Roll them out, roll it up And if there's doubt, then we hold it up To the written word and we pull it up That's a little bit of bourbon in our cup And along that narrow road we stroll We take our cares up to the Lord Then kick back with my boys and chew the fat about the world So relax, put up your feet With that stogie between your teeth Speak your mind and make your speech With every line full of grace and peace Yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Everywhere we move, we move, and everything we talk about be barreled in the truth. In the truth. Yeah. Everywhere we move, and everything we talk about be barreled in the truth. Yeah. Yo, what's going on, guys? Thank y'all so much for tuning in to Barreled in Truth tonight. We are super excited to be here recording, chilling, and just hanging out, um, talking about Jesus, man. That's what we do. Uh, today's episode is going to be on ministry burnout, and we are excited to talk about this. Chris got a lot to say. Stop. <laughs> Stop. I got it up on Sunday morning. I got it up on Sunday morning. He got some stuff to cook up. Yeah, man, we, got, we just got some stuff to talk about, man. It, it, it's going to be good. I'm excited to talk about the topic. Um, as always, man, it's always a blessing to be here and, you know, to make these videos for you guys and to, to release these podcasts. It's always, it's a blessing for us, just like it is for you guys to have this fellowship with these brothers in Christ and, um, Michael back there behind the camera, man, it's always good to hang out with these guys and, you know, drink a little bourbon and, and smoke a cigar. So it's awesome, man. But as always, I am smoking on a Gurkha Titan still. Got like half a cigar left. Love it, man. And I actually just poured me up some Benchmark. Which one is that? Small batch? Small batch. And let me tell y'all, man. This Benchmark small batch is like, it's literally like a dessert. I mean, it's it's so sweet. It's, it's very good. Yeah, and 20 bucks, you can't beat it. How about you, Chris? What you got, bro? Smoking the um, God of Fire, Don Carlito, Series B. Fancy. 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 And uh, drinking Angel. Can't hide money, man. Can't hide money. <laughs> what you got, Torio? I am still smoking on a Drew Estate Undercrown, and I am sipping on some Angels Envy as well. Mm, good stuff. Yep. Angels Envy is good stuff, One of man. the first bourbons that I um, was exposed to when I first started drinking bourbon. Um, the first the first bourbon that I really latched on to was Woodford. <coughs> Woodford Reserve. Mm -hmm. That was my go-to yeah. when I first started drinking my bourbon. My first bourbon I ever got was Bullet. Bullet. So. Bullet bourbon, bro. Yeah, bullet. Bullet's an OG. Bullet's it's an OG, OG bro. Sure. I mean, you bullet can't, you know, hey. any guy, any person that drinks bourbon, they they've the drank bullet before. The barrel proof bullet before. Yeah, bro. Hey, don't hey, don't sleep on it. That barrel proof bullet is good. Yeah, it's very good. You don't sleep on it. Yeah, it's very good. But yeah, man, we're excited to go through this episode today on uh, ministry burnout. It's gonna be a good one. Um, a lot to hear, a lot to talk about. So, kick us off, man. Yeah, so ministry burnout, um, you know, so I want to start the, the this episode off with first just acknowledging that no one in this studio would say that uh, ministry isn't hard and that ministry isn't heavy, that it isn't stressful, and that it doesn't wear you out. Nah, yeah, bro. If, you, I would say if that you're in ministry and it's not heavy for you, then are you, you in doing ministry? Right. Are you even ministry? <laughs> are you even right? ministry? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we don't want to make light of anyone's experiences or um, any pastor that listens um, what you're sure. going through at your church the battles that you're fighting um, you know but we do want to address a you know ministry burnout from a biblical perspective um, and so I want to start off in uh, the pastoral epistles uh, Second Timothy. Good place to start. Yep. You know, if Great we're gonna talk about to ministry, we gotta talk about the letters that was written to those who are in ministry. 
Um, so Second Timothy chapter four, the Apostle Paul says in verse seven, I have fought the good fight. Mm. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Goes on in uh, verse eight to say, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Mm. So I kind of wanted to start there. Um, finish the race. Mm-hmm. A lot of men have tapped out on ministry. Um, or feel like they want to tap out. Mm-hmm. And so I want to just start off this episode on ministry burnout to encourage the pastor to keep fighting the good fight. Yes. Facts. Keep fighting. You were called for a reason. We need more men fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need more men. We need, we, we, we need more pastors fighting the good fight. Yes. We need more men who are called to ministry. We need more pastors. Um, we do. Um, you know, a lot of times we make the assumption, well, man, there's a church on every corner. Man, I just, a statistic just came out mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago when I sent this to Pastor Chris. Right now in the area that we do ministry at, there's uh, 70,000 plus people in our area that don't know Jesus. Oh, that's a mm-hmm. staggering number, bro. Oh. Well, and you know, there's probably a, over 3,000 churches every year that close their doors. Right. Yeah. And that's why church planting is important. Um, but we need we need more men fighting the good fight. It is not an easy fight. <clears throat> it is not a sexy fight. It's not. And I think that we've done a really bad job in our culture in the West of making church planting sexy and making ministry sexy. And yes. um, all of this starts with a call. Yes. Right? It starts with a calling. It starts with God stirring your heart and, and wooing you to something that is is going to be very difficult. There's not any person in Scripture... Moses' life wasn't easy. Jeremiah's life wasn't easy. Isaiah's life wasn't easy. Daniel's life wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, David's life wasn't easy. Moses' life wasn't easy. Um, you know, fast forward the apostles. I mean, the, these disciples that that Jesus called their their lives. I mean, he was prepping them for a death sentence. Right. Yep. The Apostle Paul's life, once he met the resurrected Jesus was not easy and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely transparent from the get-go I think burnout is a is an American idea mm. I think it's a mm-hmm. Western idea that we get so caught up on self-care and mental health and, and everything else and anything that might get in the way of that is going to lead to what we would call ministry burnout people are difficult yes right. And this isn't new. That's not new. It's not new. The Corinthian church was difficult. Right. Paul faced difficulties in his life. 
Peter faced difficulties in his life. They wrote to Christians who were facing difficulty in their life. Ministry burnout is a cop-out, in my opinion. Facts. For sure. That's heavy. That's heavy. Now again, uh, I'm not heavy. saying that in a I'm not saying that in a sanctimonious way. Right. I'm not saying that in a in a prideful way because I think anyone who has ever been truly called into ministry wants to be like Elijah and run and hide in a cave. Yeah. There are moments and times in our lives where we feel like nobody understands us. Yeah. We feel like aliens. We feel like nobody gets it, nobody gets our call, nobody understands who we are and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish. And every single thing seems to be working against you and that calling. Yeah. And there are moments and times where you just want to run and you want to hide. Yeah. And and God was gracious to feed Elijah in that moment in his life. And but burnout is a a modern Western idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's not a William Carey idea. It's not an Apostle Paul idea. Right. It's not a an Apostle Peter idea. Yeah. It's not a Jesus idea. Yeah. Well, what if Jesus got burnt out? <laughs> Where would we be? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you said something in the beginning. You said that church planning and a call to ministry is not sexy. Well, we buy into this American dream idea of church, and, 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 and we get caught up in flash and lights, and we think everything's going to be easy. And, and to be quite honest, I think that, again, we have to—anyone who feels a call into ministry, you don't need to rush into that. No, you don't. It takes time. You, you definitely got to be, crawl into that. You need sure. to be very clear. I remember when, when, I, when God saved me when I was 12 years old, I felt God was going to use me in some way, and I had no idea what that looked like, and I kind of tucked that away and hid it because I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, God's going to give me a platform in some way, shape, or form, and He's going to use me. I was sharing testimony. I was I was speaking. Y'all remember, y'all, y'all know Six Rocks over easily, Rock Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, the Coliseum over there. The, mm-hmm. you right. Know, I, Man, I haven't I sp- been out that way in a long time. I spoke there. Wow. The, in, their, in their sanctuary before they built the biggest one because uh, they were here, 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 and here. Um, and in, in their their church, you know, our youth group came back and because our youth groups go to go, used to go to youth camp together and, I was voted most Christ-like that week, and you know I was told to share in front of that entire church, and <clears throat> and so there were moments and times where I felt like God was giving me a platform to to speak and to serve, and was calling me into ministry, and I kind of ran from that from a really for a really long time, and I had a conversation with George Tate, who was pastor of a very 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 small church in Liberty, South Carolina, and. He prayed with me through that. He gave me a couple of books to read, and he said, just come back and talk to me in a few weeks. Pray and read and meditate and seek the Lord in this. Shout out to the small church pastor. And um, We love you. And, you know, I read and I diligently prayed, and I, 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 could, not, I could not get away from this, this wooing and this, this drawing and this calling. And it wasn't that people were speaking this into me. 
It was something that God was stirring in my heart. And I think that there is a danger in our church cultures to where people speak that into existence before God calls it and makes it a reality. Right. Wow. Yeah, I agree. And it confuses people, and they feel like they're called because someone tells them, you would be good as a preacher. Mm-hmm. And then You'd be rushed, good as a pastor. They rush right. to get ordained. And they rush, and they felt, well, maybe that's how. And, you know, God does use people in our lives to speak truth to us, but we got to be really careful, and we gotta, we got to really process those things because we want to make sure that this is the call of God and not the call of man right. or the call of self because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who enter into ministry because they see the lights and they see the glory and they see the affirmation and the applause and that's what they're after. And that's the wrong uh, and, way and, to do it. And let me read my own mail. When I I knew I was called into the ministry at the age of 16 when Jesus saved me. That being said, when Jesus saved me and I knew he called me into the ministry, that was during a time where... I would say it was peak sexy church. Oh yeah, this was peak multi uh, multi campus sites. Mm-hmm. This was peak New Springs of the world. Mm-hmm. Peak elevation churches. We're of all the world. We, people were seeking after that, and yeah, we felt like if we had some be some, on a screen, some people skills, and some communicative skills. Captivate well, an audience. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're just, mm. okay, well, you're called. And and sometimes people get pushed into that before they're drawn into that by the Holy Spirit and by the God the Father. And so um, that was something that I wrestled with for a while. And I wanted to make, because I, in all honesty, ran from it. And there are times in my life, even now, where I necessarily don't appreciate the call. Um, because it is so freaking hard. Very hard. It It is demanding. It's exhausting. It's it's a lifelong call. And so when you read this passage where Paul is talking to Timothy, you know, there are a lot of things in my life when, 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 when God calls me home and they put my body in the ground, I don't necessarily want people to, to say anything other than, he loved Jesus, he loved his wife and kids, and he ran his race well. Right. Um, that's it. The and, and so what happens is, and when people get kind of thrust into that rather than called into that, they feel the pressure and the weight of that, and they, they feel like the results are up to them. And when you enter into ministry and and you and you feel like the results are up to you, you will burn out. Yeah. And if you think so ministry true. is about you, you will burn out. For sure. And I want to add uh, just, you know, what, what Charles Spurgeon said. You know, when I die, I want to be forgotten and Jesus to be remembered. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Yeah. Like, Love that quote. That, that is, that's such a good quote, to preach the gospel and die and be forgotten because this isn't for me. That's right. This is for him and ultimately everything that we do, especially in ministry and if you're called to leadership is to proclaim the gospel and to give glory to Jesus. Like that's the only things that you that you need to do and that you really, really need to work through and get to people 
by proclaiming the gospel and talking about Jesus and mm-hmm. eventually be forgotten and Jesus be remembered. Mm-hmm. So true, Devin. Um, I, I just want to quickly um, say that I'm thankful for the men that God used to disciple me over the years. Um, yeah, I was that. thirsty for spotlight. <clears throat> I was thirsty for the big stage. <clears throat> we I, all were. I was thirsty, man. And you know, I just want to tell on myself. You know, I was thirsty for the title. <sighs> and man, like I chased it. Mm-hmm. I thirsted for it, and I am thankful now that I'm thirty years I old. Got smoke in my <laughs> eye and now that I'm thirty years old. Um. And I am a pastor now. I'm so thankful that those men didn't give me what my flesh so deeply craved and desired. Right. Because I was not ready. Um, and I don't know that we're ever ready for that. My, pri- my pride would have been fed. Mm-hmm. My ego would have been fed. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. At the time, I was not thankful for it. Right, right. At the time, I was frustrated. I felt like they were sleeping on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like, you know, like, why y'all overlooking me? Like, I can captivate this room. I can walk into this room and captivate this audience in two seconds. That's how I felt. That was pride. It was arrogance. Right. Um, and I'm just thankful that the men that God put in my life did not feed mm-hmm. that and prematurely mm-hmm. uh, put me in that position. And I'm thankful for you, Chris, that you took your time with me mm-hmm. uh, and that you did not just give me what I craved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, and I would say that by the time I got to you, a lot of that was already flushed out my system. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't pressed over it. I know mm-hmm. I was called and I wasn't pressed over it, but I'm right. thankful for you, Chris, that mm-hmm. you took your you. time, bro. Well, and, and that was because at that moment in that season in my life, I had already gone through some of those battles internally because I think that everyone to some, de- to some degree in our culture gets drawn to that. And, you know, uh, again, I had been that guy in ministry. And you guys know me. You know my heart. You know who I am. I don't, I don't want to be in any room with anyone. Right. Right. Um, I, I just don't. He's and, a hermit. And it's, and it's so weird because um, I have these conversations with all people, with people all the time in a, in a professional setting and in a, in a church setting where I don't, I don't really want to be here. You know, I don't like being on camera. I don't like that. Um, and so that is a testimony of the supernatural call of God in my life because God is the one who refuses to let me tap out. I'm thankful he um, won't let you. And and God is the one that refuses to let me uh, even entertain what burnout looks like because, uh, uh, you know, because uh, I've seen it happen to friends in ministry where they just – they bind to the American dream of church and church planting and church pastor. And if their church blows up, they're still there. But if their church doesn't blow up, they'll tap out and they burn out and they yeah. get caught up in mental health and they're taking antidepressants and doing this and doing that because they're putting all of the weight on themselves and marketing and, and this and that and strategy and, and preaching the right sermons and this, that, and the other. And they're, they're completely lost focus of what their call originally was, which is to be faithful to who God puts in front of you and to run your race well. 
Right. So good. That's your calling. Yeah. The, Bible, the results man. aren't up to me. That's right. I, we don't like that, though, man. What I'm we responsible like for idea. is just faithful obedience. Yeah. And and so when when we when we think about ministry burnout, we have to think about that original call. Who did it come from? Mm-hmm. And there have been so many times and moments in my life where I I wanted to run away from that call. I tried to to distance myself from that call, and and there were especially in 2014. I say. I have said often where I wanted to displace myself from the people of God and the purpose of God uh, and the presence of God, and I wanted to just be away. And, and God and His just His His fatherly love and His tender care and His mercy and His He 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 let me struggle, but He 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 came to me. Peter, when Jesus was crucified and put in the tomb, what did Peter say? I'm going fishing. Right. In John chapter 21, I'm going back to do what I what I just know how to do because I don't know what else to do. Right. This is over. Yeah. And so and I found myself at times with the mind of Peter thinking I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't whatever this was, I had a th- a good 3-year run with Jesus. We did a lot of awesome things. I saw a lot of awesome things, experienced a lot of awesome things, but now I'm just going to go fish because that's what I was before Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and so um but God is just such a loving father and he's so patient. And that is that is the call of God that I I will never be able to escape. Right. Praise God. And thank and, God for as that. As much as you want to, you can't. And so, can't escape it, man. you know, I tell you guys all the time that my life versus Jeremiah 17, 9, you know. Yep. <laughs> so as a good Calvinist, I just, you know, I'm like John Calvin and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Don't trust anybody, you know, because of the depravity of the heart and stuff like that. But when Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he says some things about ministry and this call. And he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility. And let me pause there and say that if you are called into ministry, you are necessarily called into humility. Facts. Absolutely. If you are going to represent Jesus as a, as a servant and a minister of him, you better have the mind of Christ, which is, which is humility. Jesus washed wow. feet, bro. Wow. Um, That's you, so good. You saying. don't demand platform and, and being put on a pedestal and anything like that. God um, doesn't call you to that. Jesus is the only one that deserves the pedestal. You don't deserve the pedestal because you you, you preach on Sunday and you have the title of ordained pastor yeah. or reverend or whatever, doctor, whatever, whatever the heck you are, and uh, people out there, uh, apostle, whatever, you're not the pedestal Jesus is. Wow. You're not Come the on. measure of anything. Come mm-hmm. on, man. The Apostle Paul said that he, he reminded them that he was serving the Lord with humility and with tears. Right. Now, there are times in ministry where people will make you cry. Yep. But I think the tears for Paul was just... His aching for gospel transformation. Yeah. He knew Jesus so well. And he knew the gospel so well. He just ached to see people transformed. 
That's so good. And I think that sometimes we get caught up in in the lights of ministry and the flash of ministry and the sexiness of ministry and the platform of ministry. We forget that we've just been called to minister to people with a heart and a soul. Yeah. And I want to I want to add something here. Um, there's a guy that I follow on TikTok, True Christian Ministry. He's he's awesome. He's very theologically sound. He's he, he's a cool dude. And um. Something he said really got me, and he quoted someone, but I can't remember who it was, but he said, you know, if your pastor doesn't know your name in your church, right? And and because pastors are, are meant to, to lead the flock, right? They're meant to lead and, and know and be a shepherd. Yeah, if we're going to model the ministry of Jesus, we need to know our sheep. Right, we need to know our sheep. And he was like, so all these like huge, mega, crazy, huge churches where they don't even know half the people in there, he was like, really, those are just glorified public speakers. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, you know, to, to know your sheep and to know your people and to know what's going on, you know, pastors, anyone in ministry, like when's, when is the last time that you wept over someone leaving the faith? When's the last time that you wept over someone Come on, bro. not mm-hmm. doing what they're supposed Devin. to do, mm-hmm. what they're not supposed to you walk, preaching. and they're not walking in their faith and walking as they're supposed to. When's the last time that you wept over that and really felt something for that person of, mm-hmm. I want so much more for you. Mm-hmm. Come Why? You know, my heart aches for you. And yeah. that should be the heart of a pastor. Yeah, 100%. You know, you, you should be weeping over your people. Not, yeah. not gossiping and... Asking like, oh man, and, they're just whatever. And side note, this is for free. If your church is to a point to where you you can't get to know people by name, it's time for you to take some of them people and have them go plant. Of course, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, or or how about this? You know, I had this conversation with Michael um, <clears throat> last Sunday. If your church is that doggone big, how about you take some people? You find a like-minded church that's small, and yeah. you say, "I want y'all to go." Yeah, invest in this. Body. Invest yeah. in this body. Mm-hmm. They're small, but they're like-minded. They're solid theologically. They're solid in their doctrine. They love Jesus. Y'all go, go be a part of this body. Right. Mm-hmm. They need you. Yeah. Why don't we do that? We're too busy building our own kingdoms. Why don't we do that? We we, we you know again, church is like our favorite football team. You know, we want the biggest and the best for our team, and. We're in competition with the other teams. Right, and we want to trade our kingdom in heaven for a kingdom on earth, which makes no sense. <laughs> Correct. And so he says that he serves the Lord with humility and with tears and with trials. Anyone who goes into ministry blindly thinking that this is going to be an easy road to a platform of affirmation and applause or recognition or whatever, you're going into ministry with the wrong mentality because you are signing up for a life of trial. That's so true. And he says, trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. He says, you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and from teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now... Just right when he said that, I want to... I just want to say something about that he said in public and in houses right so Wherever in front of a lot of people and in front of just you one-on-one i said the same thing there was nothing different yeah. i didn't go the to the public change. and preach five steps to a good tomorrow and go to your house and tell you about jesus 
I talked about Jesus everywhere. Keep that right. same energy. Said, Keep the Jews, same he energy. He said to Jews and to Greeks, so the, yeah. the cu- culture doesn't determine the truth of the gospel. The gospel is truth, mm. and so it transcends good. culture. Exactly. The what gospel Paul, is truth, and it transcends culture. So Come good. on, So man. he's testifying to Jews and Greeks of repentance, and so he says, down, and now, behold, I am going to so Jerusalem, con- constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. I mean, Paul's there, and we think that we have to know every single move that God is making. We're not in control. And he that, is. We, we're, that we need to be in control, and we need to have a say, and we need to know, and we need to understand. And when, when Scripture tells us to lean not unto our own understanding, but in always acknowledging Him, and He'll direct our paths, which is what Paul is practicing here. He just knows that the Holy Spirit constrained him to go here. He's going here and not knowing what's going to happen. He's just going because God told him to. Okay. And when's the last time we took that step of right. doing something? It's it's safe to say that a lot, if all humanity, has a problem with control. Right. He says he doesn't know what's going to happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. My, my, my. And still and we goes. think ministry is supposed to be easy. Right. Come on. Come on. You have a, you have a multitude and a host of principalities and powers working against the very call of God in your life, working of, against the very gospel that you proclaim, that you believe, that you teach. Mm-hmm. And he says he knows. I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but I know something that's going to happen. Affliction. Yeah. Imprisonment. And it, it's so much easier for us today to to proclaim the gospel and to do God's work as we're called to do than it was back then because you would literally go to prison like you'd be imprisoned and beaten or whatever it may be mm-hmm. when you did these things but nowadays like we can talk all yeah. we want right the apostle Paul counted the cost right um, and that's and so verse, good, he gets to verse twenty four which is my ministry verse that's my life verse for ministry that the Holy Spirit continues to just kind of remind me of and press into my heart and my soul um, because at age 48 yeah 48 49 yeah whatever uh, when God initiated this call as, a, as in my life as a 12 year old um, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself mm. if only I may finish my course mama and the ministry yeah. that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. Oh, that's so good. Amen. Amen. If you're in ministry, mm. that's your first. That's so good. Facts. Because you have to go into it understanding that you don't exist for yourself. Come on, man. And that your time isn't for you. Mm. Your efforts aren't for you. All of your gifts aren't for you. That... That you exist for other people. You said something there. You said, you know, when you said, you know, a call into ministry is, you know, understanding that, you know, you're you're not for you. Your time, your talents is for people. Your treasure, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's so, that's so real, man. Mm-hmm. Because it's the pastors that understand that that get the most fruitful people in their church, man. True. Bro, 100%. Like uh, that's so true, man. Um, I was when I was preparing for this, I was listening to an interview by John Piper. Um, someone he does a lot of Q and A's um, on Desiring God's um, 
YouTube page, mm-hmm. and one of the things this was back in 2008. You know, this man has been in ministry for 50 plus years, bro. Thank God for it. <laughs> Thank God man. for for men like John freaking Piper, who's been holding the line for 50 years. Out. Who didn't burn out? Right. Someone asked him. 50 years. How do people did, hate that guy, bro? Right? He's been holding the line for 50 years. He man, gets you a lot of hate me? mail, bro. Someone asked him. How how have you avoided ministry burnout all this time? This was his response, and I got receipts. John Piper said, I have avoided ministry burnout by running to Psalms 16.1 and praying that over my ministry and life every day. This is what Psalms 16.1 says. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Mm. Woo! And he says that he prays that over mm. his life in ministry every day. Mm-hmm. And he runs to that verse daily. Yeah. That's so good. This brother has been in ministry for 50 years, bro. 50 years. Yeah. How many decades? Was that five decades? Yeah. That brother been in ministry for five decades. It's longer than I've been alive. Pre- and, and, and not this cupcake stuff. No. I almost cursed. Lord, forgive me. I'm <laughs> We taming the tongue, so I did not curse. This brother has been. Sometimes I'm going to do it, though. This, right? I'm just saying. This brother has been holding slip. the line for 50 years in the ministry. Yeah. And not no cupcake ministry. This brother has been preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible. Expository, bro. That's the only Slamming way. the prosperity gospel. For 50 plus. Writing books, you know. I mean, he's in the trenches, dude. The brother, the brother spent eight years preaching through Romans to his church. Yeah, that's you nuts. kidding me? It's yeah. so good, bro. You kidding me? Y'all fussed at me for two years over Luke. <laughs> that's cr- <laughs> that's actually insane. I just want to toss that in there a little bit, Mike. Toss it in. Um, but you know when you but you can't when you when you have the call of God on your life in ministry. You you can't escape it, yeah. and you have to understand that you you can't count your life as precious or of any value. It's not precious to me. My life is precious to God, and in some weird way, He makes it precious to other people. My mind. Mm-hmm. But on. if I want to make it precious to myself, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. Tap out. I'm tap that's out. the easy. It's the easy. That's the easy thing to do. Because my life is precious to me. Right. That's not what Paul said. The easy thing for Chris Hall to do: tap out and just go live my life. Make you make big money because I think and I've live your it. life. Right. Because I think I've earned it. I deserve yeah. it. I don't deserve and that. It, and, it, and, it, and it blows my mind for men that have been called to ministry. I look up now; they're in a whole different field. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. out here. Selling insurance and stuff, all kind of crazy stuff. I'm like, yep. yeah. what happened? What happened to your call? Did God just call you for a season? I, I don't think that's true. No, 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 no. The biblical call I for the pastor so is a lifelong call. It's, a, it, it's, it's not a call until it, it gets uncomfortable. It's not a call until it's not working. It's not a call until you think that you can manufacture the church growth where Jesus promised that he's the one that builds his church. You can't do it. He does it. When you start buying into all those things and you, you're counting your life as precious to yourself, you will tap out. You will give up. And, you know, so so that verse for me is is the only thing I won't read at my funeral. Yeah. I like that. And um, and so 
that's the only thing. I want to, I have a verse that the Holy Spirit put on my heart as I was just chewing on this topic um, that I want to read to encourage the weary pastor. The words of Jesus in Matthew 11. I'm weary. Uh, I hope I hope this encourages you. Mm-hmm. I thought about you when I read this verse. So in Matthew chapter 11, listen to what Jesus has to say. This is verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor, all who labor. I want to put heavy emphasis on all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, Mm -hmm. for my yoke is easy, Mm. and my burden is light. It's light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good verse. I hope that encourages you, Chris, and I hope that that Mm -hmm. encourages pastors Mm -hmm. Um, that listen to the podcast, um, your rest is in Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't carry that whole burden all, all by yourself. It's just no. it, it's not possible. And 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 noticed notice the precursor there in that verse. Come to me, all who labor. Yeah. Labor. Yeah. Labor. This is work. It's right. work. So. Yeah, it's work it, it is work. You clock in just like you do at your and, nine to five. Bro. And Jesus is saying in that passage, Actually, you don't never clock out. You don't clock out. <laughs> and in this there passage, is no Jesus in. is saying, "Find your recharge in me." Yeah. You find your fuel in me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Facts. He is the fuel for the one who is called in ministry. Yep. Got to be. When from the world. Jesus is your fuel. In ministry, you cannot burn out. You can't not burn facts. out. No. And I the am tank not. won't run empty. I'm nah, not. And, and, and I'm not saying that it won't be hard. I'm not saying that some of you don't need to take a sabbatical. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Do what you got to do. But you run that doggone race. Yep. To the end. Finish well. You finish. Because finish the race. Finish, finish man. the race. That's the that's the point. Finish the race. Finish the race. Because I, I think about what Paul said to the Philippian church, and obviously I know that there there was some soteriological implications to this verse, but Paul said to the Philippian church, "He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it." Yep. We know. I, I know that there are some soteriological implications there. You know, talking about salvation, but there is also some practical implications there to those who are in ministry. Right. If 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 God began the work in you in terms of calling to ministry, He is faithful to bring it to completion. Because again, we have this weird thing in America where we make everything about self. Right. Right. Yep. And we want to think that we want we want to put self of more importance than the people that we're ministering to. And I do understand that self-care is important, it but is. it's not preeminent. Mm-hmm. Self-care is important, but it's right. not preeminent. If you make self-care preeminent, the other person doesn't matter. Right. Oh, my gosh. The other person doesn't matter. Come anymore. on, man. That's not the mind of Christ. 
What is the mind of Christ in Philippians 2? To esteem others better than yourself. Come on, To look man. out for the needs of others what? ahead of your own. And if you are a representative of Christ in ministry, in his church, and in his body, you have to have the mind of Christ, which is humility, esteeming that other person better than yourself. They matter more than me. And that and that goes that goes in ministry and we Other see care it, is more important than self care, right? And we see it in marriage as well that we are we as men in marriage are called to put our wife's needs above our own and her desires above our own. We see it consistently that we are to be humbled. Correct. <laughs> we need to be humble in this. You cannot be prideful. You can't be all about yourself when you're doing the work of Christ. I mean, so and I also when we were. Thinking about ministry burnout, you know, I think about the Apostle Paul. Talk to who me. is kind of outside of Jesus is kind of that guy in yeah. terms of who to look to and and how he ran his race and finished his. Race. As Chris says, if we're wanking Christians, he's up here. Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> we but if we're going, we to, don't rank him. He's never going to do that. Right. Yeah, big fact. So he he's writing to the Corinthian church. This is his second letter to them, and he says. Um, he, he's talking about his afflictions in Christ and, you know, their their tendency to boast and what they do and everything else. And so he starts talking like a madman according to him. And he says, well, if you're going to boast, let, if, you, if you want to boast, let's boast. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you want to have the conversation, Talk. let's freaking have it. Talk. Okay? And so he says, are they Hebrews? Uh-huh. So am I. Uh-huh. Are they Israelites? So am I. Yeah. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. Right? So Paul understands right. that he's talking out of his mind here, right, right? Right, He says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. Come on. Far more imprisonments. Yeah. With countless beatings. The Apostle Paul got beaten so many times. He lost. You get beat once, you remember it. You get beat twice, you remember it. Come right. on, man. You get beat a hundred times, you lose freaking count. Right. Yeah. He got beat so many times, he stopped writing it in his journal, and he stopped counting. Mm. Countless, he says, beatings. Um, far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings, and often near death. Now, mm. we start getting near death in American ministry, we tap out. Facts, bro. We tap out. I think the first beating in American um, ministry, we tap out. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, the purpose of stoning is to freaking kill you. Right. That was the purpose of Jewish stoning was for you to right. die. Yep. Miraculously, he survived. How am I convicted and encouraged all at the same time? Right. I'm I'm telling you, bro. He says, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people. Your church people are going to create danger for you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to mock you. They're going to leave you. Come on, dog. Right. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. So there's constant danger facing the one who is called into ministry. Right. right. It is not a bed of roses. 
It is not cupcakes and rainbows. It's not a bed of roses. It is a bed of danger. Right. And heartache and suffering and trial and mockery and ridicule and abandonment. That's what ministry is. You know... We ain't done, but go ahead. No, I, I apologize. No, go ahead. Apologize. I just thought of something. Um, Charles Spurgeon's book, Lecture to My Students. Mm-hmm. Classic. Classic. De- Devin, you got to read that, dog. Yeah, I, need to I read got that a copy. One. I'll give it to you. Please, yes. No, seriously. You're called into ministry. But. We affirm that call, bro. You have <laughs> yeah. to read this book. If you are called to ministry, you have to own Lecture to My Students by Spurgeon. It is mandatory. One of the things that he says um, in that book, Lecture to My Students, he says, if there's anything other, and he's talking about being called to ministry, to the person that says they're called to the ministry. He says, if there's anything else that you can see yourself doing other than ministry, go do, do it. it. Do it, go yep. Do it. Go do it. Don't play George, with your call. Don't play with this. Mm, Don't come over State. here playing. That small Southern Baptist pastor that counseled me told me the very same thing. Right. If you can see yourself do something else, go do it, man. Um, and he told me several things, but that was one of the things that he said. And this is in, you know, 1995, 1996 when he told me that. So Paul says he's danger from everywhere he goes, he's, in, he's, he's enduring danger. And affliction. He says, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, ministry will keep you up at night. It will, it will, it will have you weeping in bed with your wife. Wow, so true. Um, it'll, it'll have you questioning certain things, and, and even again, like I said, like sometimes you just want to run to a cave and run hide, and you want to go. And you want to withdraw, and you want to come away from it, and it's the call of God that brings you back. Yeah. If it was the call of man or the call of self, there's a lot of self-proclaimed pastors out there who weren't called of God. Come on. They were called of self. Right. And when and when they they experienced the things that the Apostle Paul experienced, they burn out or they tap out. And many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So good, bro. Mm. There's pressure in ministry. Yeah. Now, pressure can do a couple of things. It can crush you. Or it can or make it some can, diamonds, it baby. It can make some diamonds. Yep. Which one are you going to be? Right? At night, bro, like, you know... I, I so admire men who've been doing this for years on years on years. Cause I want to be I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I want I want to look ten years from now and I'm still going strong. Mm-hmm. I want to look twenty right. years from now, I'm still going strong. Mm-hmm. I want to look thirty. Regardless years from what now, that looks like, in no ministry, matter what it looks like, you don't right. have to have a platform with ten thousand people or a thousand people. It's it's are you still running the race? Right, and, and, and that's why. And we've us three. You don't you don't know this, Chris, but us three we've had this talk mm-hmm. about you. Um, and I want to publicly honor you. Any ch- any ch- any any chance I get to Let's publicly honor, Jesus, honor you, but... I I, I want to do that because Jesus uses you as a vessel, man. Like it 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 amazes me that you 
you tarry and you hold the line despite all that you've been through in ministry and you still go so hard in ministry, mm. bro. Like, I am thankful that you have not tapped out in ministry and walked away from your calling because if you had, if you had done that, us three wouldn't be here right now, bro. Nah, yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to do it since we started this, this episode. Um, because when I, I expressed my call a while ago now, um, to Chris and Shatorio, and you know, when I told and we ain't Chris, ignoring it, by the way, yeah, I want you to think no, we're no, sleeping no, no, on no, it, bro. No. And, that, and, and I, uh, you know, I expressed my call to them. And when I, when I, I texted Chris and told him like, you know, I just want to talk. He was like, all right, come over tomorrow. I came to his house, and when we sat there and talked, I remember like it was yesterday, but, you know, we, we sat there and talked, and this wasn't, like, normal. This wasn't a normal talk because Chris told me a long time ago that whenever it's whenever it comes to someone being called into ministry, that's something to be taken serious. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to start looking at you different now. Mm-hmm. And I agreed with that. When I got there, the first, I mean, as soon as I sat down, I haven't even lit my cigar yet. He says, so when were you saved? Got I right mean, immediately. Right that was it. the first question he asked me. He got right to work. <laughs> yeah, right to work. And and he told me the same thing when I sat on his porch before he was all fancy and had a pool. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> pre-pool, Chris. Yeah, this is pre-pool, Chris. Pre-pool. He's different now. But, just, man, just you know, this was, this was beforehand, man, you know, and we were sitting there, and, you know, he was talking to me, and he said the same thing to me as, like, you know, if there's anything that you would think about even almost doing – other than ministry, then do that. And, you know, I, and I haven't shared this with y'all, but, you know, at first I, I thought about that, and I was like, I wonder if there is something I can do. And at first there was. But I want to tell y'all that every single day after that, the one like one thing that might have been over ministry slowly faded away, and the next thing faded away. And now that's why I'm going to school. I put my application. I got accepted to Lancaster Bible College. And, Amen. like, yeah. now, you know, I'm, I'm at a point guys, where that's you. all I can see. In bro, my in we, my we foreseeable are, are future, of your leadership, bro. yeah, bro, one hundred percent. Don't get that twisted. Yeah, don't ever get that twisted. Michael like, would agree. All I can see in my future is ministry, is ministry, ministry and, and being a pastor. And what's crazy to me is like now that's all Carly can see yeah. is that for me, mm-hmm. you know? And and it's just and I'm constantly more like. I just want to know more. I want more knowledge. I want to know you, God. I want to know you better how than can, I know how can anyone. We love these people, right? Hey, how, how can, can I love these people, people more? Serve them. I just told Carly in there because that last episode we did really convicted me. I told Carly, I said, "Hey, babe, tonight when I get in here, I don't care what time it is. I want to talk to you because I don't like the way that I've been reacting on some things, and I want to have more grace with you mm-hmm. whenever it comes to these conversations. Like I want to continuously grow. We never stop growing. It's a Come crawl on, and not a sprint, and we got to continue to grow." We talked about this before, but Christ grew. Mm-hmm. So how can we say we can't? Luke of chapter course. two. <laughs> Luke but two. I just I, I love what you do, man. I love what you do for the kingdom and for us every single yeah, day. Bro, we we are we are products of what God is doing in your life, bro. Like I want you to know that, man, because <clears throat> pastors need to be training pastors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you took all three of us under your wing and you shepherd us and you disciple us. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate that. You can call us on. You can call us out on our bull crap. <laughs> Y'all do the same for me. You know, I am. I, <clears throat> hey, hey, I want to point that out real quick. And just so you guys know that we're not tripping. Right. And we're not lying to you. Nah, I texted ca- Chris a few weeks camera. ago. This ain't for the camera. I texted him and I said, hey, 
how has your week been? He said, good. I said, nah, how has your week really been? And he sent me like a whole paragraph. See, that's that's keep what I'm a, talking keep about. It a like, buck. You know, like I gotta keep it real because I know and my Chris. Dr. Eric Mason voice. Keep it a <laughs> yeah. buck. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I said, like, Dr. Eric Mason said, man, keep it a <laughs> He said that in the service and keep it a buck. <laughs> bro, like, dude, that's Dr. how Eric I'm Mason, telling you, bro. man. We keep gotta we gotta keep each other accountable and, and really, really, you know, dig deep and figure out what's really going on because I know Chris. I know that sometimes he's too busy, but he's the type of guy that still wants to text you back to let you know that he's still there, right? So I got the good text message, how about you? And I was like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, you're not doing that. There's no way. I need you. I want to know, like, what's what's really been going on this week, you know? And we got to talk about it, and that that's the whole thing because sometimes you never know what that can do for someone Mm -hmm. when they get to talk about how their week's been, really, and know that that's a safe place for them to talk about it. That gets to get it off their chest, Mm -hmm. you know, and they get to share that that heavy weight with someone. Yeah, the safe place is a struggle for me. Yeah, Um, but you guys are, you know, God is. You know we ten toes down yeah. for oh, you, man. Bro. All three of us. And he bro. says it all the time when the camera's not rolling. Like when we just sit here and have our actual talks, he says it all the time. Like you guys are, I love this because mm-hmm. y'all are such a safe place for you. You know we ten toes yeah. for you, man. But you guys, you know God uses certain people to put wind in yourself uh, because there's so many people that'll take the wind out of yourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm blowing, bro. Ministry and in life, and and so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, dog. Uh, it, again, it's it's one of those things that I, I you know ask God for some things um, when when God just continued to graciously remind me that that this was His call. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Nobody in their right mind is just choosing because this. Let me Paul, tell you that. Yeah, Paul, Paul, ended, Paul ended that passage in 2 Corinthians 11 with talking about his weakness. Mm, and uh, he, he understood who he was. Right. You know, I understand who I am. And I understand my weaknesses. And I understand, um, apart from Christ... You know, um, you know, to quote Augustine, you know, I'm nothing more than a captain of my own self destruction, and so, uh, that's, that's, that's so all of this so is real, is is just because of God, yeah, man. And God just refuses to let me tap out and praise God. And, bro. and those moments where where I don't feel like it, where I don't want to, where I don't, you know, He's been gracious to put people like you three men in my life and and my bride who just. Yeah, she speaks so much life into that. Mm-hmm. Bro, we 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 need you, bro. And she's so careful to just remind me to when it's time to press and when it's trying to, time to stop and when it's time mm-hmm. to do certain things. And uh, I don't have the ability a lot of times to turn my brain off and you know and things like that. And so. And a lot of that has to just do with the calling because you always want to be there for people. Yeah. You don't want to let people down. And so it, it just it it weighs on you and it pulls on you and it and it and it and it just it can it can be literally exhausting, especially if you're if you're bivocational and things like that. So thank you all for just putting wind in my sails because let, let, let me stop just, you right there. <clears throat> because 
I want to speak to the bivocational pastor for a quick second. Sure. Yeah, um, they need to hear it. That, to the bivocational pastor, we see you. I'm looking at the camera because I want you to see me. Like, we see you. Um, bivocational pastors are the real heroes, man. Like, this brother right here. And people, when I tell when I tell my buddies, all the guys at three, these guys that I talk to from G3, these guys are full-time pastors, mm-hmm. so they don't understand this. I tell them, man, I'm like, man, my pastor works 60 hours a week. Right. That brother works 60 hours a week at a high-volume, heavy-stress job and still finds time to read his Bible, to sermon prep. And he's not preaching cupcake sermons, bro. We We... He preaches expository sermons, preaching verse by verse through the books of the Bible. He still finds time to do stuff like this. He still finds time to be faithful to community group. He still finds time to do marriage counseling, to sit down with people that need counseling. He 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 finds time to do all of that on top of his rigorous job. And so to the bivocational pastor... That's doing that. I want to tell you, keep fighting the good fight, mm-hmm. because the the church universal needs you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because sooner or later, the model for the church eventually will be full time pastors who are bivocational. Agreed. I think that we're that's coming that way. We are uh, headed that way. Where full time pastors will also have a full time job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's kind of all I've known. But um, you know, I, I think that again, God has just been really good to me and gracious to me. Um, we need you, dog. <coughs> Can't tap so, out, bro. Yeah, we need yeah, that I word. You know, I, I love. I've mentioned Todd Perkins before. Shout out to Todd, stuff. man. We got to get him Todd, on the show, right, man. Yeah, sure. Todd, um, if you listening, please come on the show. We I was having you. lunch with Todd one day. And uh, <laughs> we were just talking about this very thing and just the exhaustive nature of just ministry in general life. He's a full-time pastor. He does a lot of side gigs because he's very gifted in yeah. construction. And, he and works too, bro. Things like that. Todd so works, man. He works his butt off. And so he, he he's some, somewhat of an inspiration to me. And he's another one that God has kind of put in my life to put some wind in my sails and just be a safe place and things like that. And so we were <laughs> – we were having this conversation. I think we were at White Duck Taco that day, and you know, when we were talking about ministry burnout, and he said, "Chris, he said, you know, I love you." He said, "Burnout would look different for you." I was like, well, "What do you mean by that?" He said, "Your burnout would look different because you would probably just cuss everybody out and tell them how stupid they are and quit." <laughs> right. <laughs> so he said, "You'll get to a point Real where, spill. You, where you just." Cause everybody out, and tell them how stupid they are, and just quit. And Real be, spill. And be like, I'm done with all of y'all. Yeah. And this, that, and the other. We ain't gonna we, let you do we that. Kinda, we nah. kind of joked about it and stuff like that, but because um, Todd knows me and and he knows who I am and, and 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 my heart and things like that, but and you guys do too. And and again, um, one of the things that kind of helps energizes me and keeps me going as a pastor is 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 seeing the the root of the gospel 
transforming the hearts of men yeah. mm-hmm. and, and guys who are hungry for ministry and hungry for the word and hungry for that call yeah. and they're chasing that and they yeah. want and they're running their race and they you know I've been running this race for a long time and you guys have you know you're you you're just beginning to run this race and if I can do anything to put wind in your sails to help you run that race and finish your course and and, and finish well you know that's that's what I want to do right and let me also add this um, I, I I just want to speak to the Bible vocational pastor again because they don't get enough love mm. and praise. Um, they're often forgotten. They, they're forgotten. I think too often members of the church, and I'm talking church, big C church, universal mm-hmm. churches, churches, you know, globally. <clears throat> I think oftentimes members. They put full-time pastor expectations on the bivocational pastor. Agreed. You cannot use the measuring rod of a pastor who does that full-time, who this is their job. Mm -hmm. They don't clock into a job. They clock in, and they go to the church. They do it. They work. Praise God for it. Don't get that sure, twisted. Of course, Don't get that twisted. Grateful for that. Grateful for that. Man, that would be nice. But but right. But I, <laughs> that would be nice. But I think that I'm I, I would love to be under Chris as full yeah, time. I just right. want to see what that's about, dude. But anyways, and 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 and. And I know I'm you don't. I know. I know you don't like that. But that's something that I do pray for. That one day Keep we can make you oh, full time. Um, but anyways, you know, I I just want to say this. To the church member that has a bivocational pastor, don't put full time pastor expectations on your bivocational pastor. Amen. You cannot be comparing what full time pastors are able to do to your pastor who works a full time job. Sure, it's not fair. It's not. It's 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 not fair and it's not realistic. You're comparing a man. That does this full time. This is their job. When they wake up and go to work, this is what they're doing full time. You can't compare what they're doing and put that same measurement on your pastor who also has a full time job where they work in 50 hours a week, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have some grace for him because church is going to look different for him and ministry is going to look different for him. Because that brother is working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So don't look at the pastor up the street that has a church with 300, 400 members and they're able to do it full-time and expect your bivocational pastor to be able to do the same things that they're able to do. I knew full-time pastors who were just downloading their sermons online. And, right. and, and, and oh, sermons. I ain't done, bro. I ain't done. I ain't done. I got some stuff to say, bro. Because this is this, Michael. No, Michael. No, man. This is some. This is something that's been brewing on my heart. And and furthermore, furthermore, this brother is full-time, and I'm speaking to all full. I'm ta- I'm speaking to all bivocational pastors that hold it down like this. These guys have to clock into a job that they don't necessarily want to be at, but it's necessary for the season that they're in, and they still find time to put in the heavy lifting and the heavy work of being your pastor. Mm-hmm. Show them some grace and understand that church will not look 
what church look what church looks like for the full time pastor will not look the same for the bivocational pastor. Mm-hmm. So the next time you leave, you you consider leaving your church because your church is not able to do the things that the church down the street is doing that has a full time pastor. Consider the fact that this brother has a full time job and that and the man down down the street that pastors a church with hundreds of members, they don't have a full time job. Their ministry is their full time job. Mm-hmm. So consider mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Thank you, my man. I, 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 I just had that. No, that had to be said, bro. Yeah. Because I feel like bivocational pastors, they don't get the respect that they deserve, man. You it's guys tough. got full time jobs, bro. Mm-hmm. And y'all got to sit up here and watch members leave to go to the church down the street. They got full time pastors. Lights, yeah. With all the lights and stuff. Bruh. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been. You know, my apologies I, if I went off, but I just nah, had to say that, man. I Acts felt like that needed to be said. Is a, is, is a verse for me that that again, God's gracious to just continue to remind me, and that's one of the verses that I pray for myself, like Piper does with with Psalm sixteen one. Sixteen one, and so sixteen um, one. One of the one of the other, you know, we got to be careful with heroes of the faith, but. You know, when you think about people and you look throughout church history and the, the, the great sacrifices that people made who were called into ministry, you think about the William Careys of the world who first, they, he, he forsook everything for the call. And he is often called the father of modern missions, and he, he ended up, he, he's in the 1800s, 19th century guy, and he ended up in India. He was a missionary to India, and... Um, was there for what ten years? Is that the same gentleman that was in ministry for ten? They didn't see their first conversion until yeah. year ten. Is From that my William Carey? In my readings, yeah. yeah, William Carey was was there for ten years before he saw one convert. Are y'all trekking with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's studying. He's studying the language of India. He's trying to translate the scriptures from from English into. Their their native language and things like that. That brother didn't see his first um, convert until year ten. And here's mm-hmm. and here's what William Carey and he he you know he lost some family members and you know I mean India was not a uh, a good place for them in terms of their health and things like that and so um, the one thing that William Carey said is I complied um, when Jesus says. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all those who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my mm-hmm. yoke upon you, because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That yoke signifies plotting. Come on, it's it's taking the yoke of Christ and understanding that I'm not working for the the favor of the Father because I have it in Christ Jesus. He's in the yoke with me. He's the He's the stronger, more experienced animal. I'm the younger, very immature, inexperienced animal, but we are yoked together and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna plot. Yeah. We're gonna plow. Yeah. And in him I'm gonna take refuge. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. Yeah. And all I gotta do is just stay with Jesus. Come on, man. And just continue to plod, and in those those Amen. you know the long days, the late nights, the early mornings, the Sundays, you know where you know 
God has been very gracious to me. And I say that because I'm a man. I'm a man who surrendered to ministry in America. I'm a man who surrendered to ministry in America where everything was all about results and numbers. And God has been very gracious to me to remind me that that's not that's not my calling. Yeah. That's the results aren't up to me. Mm-hmm. What is up to me is faithful obedience. Amen. That's the only thing that that I can have a part in. And the wind blows where it wishes, and and I'm not caught up so much in that. God, 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 kind of saved me from that mentality in seminary. I got kind of, I got a really bad taste in my mouth and from that in seminary. But what, but what God did do was he he kind of pulled me in and he 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 kind of showed me that the results aren't up to you, Chris. You be faithful and you plod. Amen. Because the results, whether whether you. We have all this idea of successful ministry. We do. What is successful ministry? Well, you and you and you are successful ministry. Right? Right. Gospel-centered marriage is a successful ministry. Watching men be hungry for the Word of God is successful ministry. Watching your church because you're preaching through books of the Bible being hungry for theology and the Word of God and being transformed by that is successful ministry. All of those things are successful ministry. Numbers don't mean anything to me. I got called on that in youth ministry. I got called on that when I took over a youth ministry that on on a good Wednesday night they had five or six students. And by year three, we were averaging 70 on Wednesday night. That's insane. We had kids who were surrendering to the ministry. We had kids who were graduating and started homeless ministries in downtown Greenville. We had all these things happening. But we went from 70 to 30 to 40, 30, whatever. And and all of a sudden, I get called in the office and want to know what's going on and what's happening. Wow. And and so I call a couple of people, Dr. Mike Landrum, who was the head of youth ministry at North Greenville University, and Dr. Pete Wilbanks, who was a friend of mine, who was a professor at North Greenville at the time, and we're having a conversation and I said, You know, Doctor Wilbanks, they're just they're hammering me about these numbers on Wednesday nights and he said, That's not even biblical. <laughs> he too, he's so, so gracious to remind me. And in the, in that season where I was being kinda of hammered with that, God was gracious to guard me from falling into that trap. Yeah. And I thank God for that because in, in that season, in that moment, you know, I kind of surrendered that and said, you know what? I'm not I'm not chasing numbers. I know that numbers are important because, you know, in Acts, it talks about thousands of people here, thousands of people there. And, okay, I get that. But that's God's job. My job is just to be obedient to the call. Amen. Not to be obedient to the call when it's convenient. Ooh. Not to be obedient to the call when it's easy. Not to be obedient to the call when I have a platform and everybody's loving and clapping and telling this and telling that. That's fluff. It's Amen. being obedient to the call in the trenches. Mm-hmm. When you're having the hard conversations. When you're when you're sacrificing time. When you're sacrificing uh 
whatever it is that, that it may be, for the sake of someone else to see the gospel take root in their life so that they can impact other people, whether it be their wife or their children or their job or their or other church members or whatever, that's what we're after. Amen. Right. That's what we're after. And that is why, you know, I can boast in my weakness and like the Apostle Paul and say, I, I, I haven't experienced the things the Apostle Paul experienced. This dude was shipwrecked and, and adrift at sea for a night and a day. I might tap out on that one because I've seen Shark Week. Right. <laughs> I don't like sharks. I don't like the ocean. But he, he, he talked about that, but then he talked about in his, this is, it, it, he will boast in his weakness because when he boasts in his weakness, he's boasting in Christ. Amen. Right. So it's not, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the minister. It's about the work of God and the minister's heart and the minister's life that keeps him because he's the one that began the good work. So he's the one that's going to be faithful and just to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Amen. So thank you for your kind words, but that's about Jesus. So mm-hmm. so as we close this episode out, you know, I, I love just ending the episodes on the gospel. How does the gospel apply to ministry burnout? We and we can end there. Well <laughs> are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You got so, you got the experience. I got the mic man. so I got the mic because I got the experience. So the gospel, obviously Jesus said those who endure to the end will be saved. So endurance is necessary to our salvation. So the gospel is that God saves sinners. He saves them in the personal work of Jesus Christ uh, by grace through faith in Christ alone. And when that comes to ministry, we have to understand that it is about the gospel. But it is about the call. The call unto salvation is necessarily a call to, to service in the church. But that salvation is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is a call into ministry, whether it be bivocational, full-time ministry, or whatever. But those are calls that are unique and special. And if God truly calls you, he will sustain you until the end. If God truly called you unto salvation, that's why Jesus said those who endure to the end will be saved because those who are truly born again and those who are truly called will endure the suffering, will endure the heartache, will endure the trial, will endure the pain, and will endure that even unto death. Amen. Right. The the man that is truly called unto God, of God unto ministry will, because of the gospel and because of the truth of the gospel, will remain faithful until the end. If he if he flames out, if he taps out, I'm not I'm not bashing anyone. But if if you if you burn out, so to speak, that is a Western that is a that is American and I think it's a weak mentality. Right. The Apostle Paul didn't know the first freaking thing about burnout. William Carey didn't know the first freaking thing about burnout. Luther you know what you, you Polycarp, the only thing he knew about burnout was being burned at the stake. Oh Polycarp, that was his burnout. He was burned at the stake for refusing to recount re, recant his, his faith in Jesus Christ. Right. That was his burnout. Our burnout is this is tough. This is not good for me mentally. This is not good for me physically. Take care of yourself. Right. Take care of yourself and you'll be able to endure. But you'll be able to endure mostly because of the call of God on your life, not the call of man or not the call of self. Amen. And if you tap out and you burn out, it wasn't ultimately the call of God. Wow. That's where I stand. Devin, close us out, brother. 
Facts, yeah, man. Uh, thank so you guys good. so much for listening to the episode, man. It, it was a it was an awesome episode. There was a lot to say, um, a lot for us to talk about. It was it's always great hanging out with these guys and the fellowship that we have here. It's it, it's always an awesome time to be poured into. It's always great. Thank so. y'all for pouring into me. Yeah, for sure, man. Love for sure. Love, Love you, brother. But yeah, man, thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out with us. If you stay to the end, thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate you guys that listen to these episodes all the way through. I hope you get something out of it. You can always find us on all the social media platforms. Come hang out with us. Come check us out. If you are in the upstate area and want to say, hey, you know, we could definitely do a meetup or something. But thank you guys so much. And as always, keep drinking bourbon, keep smoking cigars, and keep reading your Bibles. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace. Yeah. Everywhere we move, we move And everything we talk about Be barreled in the truth, in the truth. Yeah. yeah Everywhere we move And everything we talk about Be barreled in the truth Yeah <laughs>